Hello, I'm Emma Rice, the Artistic Director of Wise Children, and you're listening to Wise Children's Lockdown. Our lockdown project is about us finding ways of staying close to each other. On this show, I call up an old friend, play some records, and most importantly, get to chat and reminisce. Come and join us for Tea and Biscuits. Hello and welcome to Wise Children's Lockdown Tea and Biscuits and today I'm talking to my friend, the director and actor and writer, Matthew Dunster. Hi Matthew. Hi Emma, nice to see you. <laughs> it's really nice to see you. It's a bit unusual now to see a different face so I'm stupidly excited to see you. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I was thinking um, in preparation of this conversation... I don't know many other directors. It's sort of the one thing that we don't do too much of. And it's really lovely to see you because I have much, ever since the Globe finished, I don't have much reason to see you. And I live down here in Somerset and you're in London, but it's bloody lovely to see your face. And yours. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it, the director thing? I mean, that's why we came together in a way, wasn't it? To sort of pool our ideas about which directors to try and pull into the Globe adventure. Exactly. I wanted I wanted your mind, Matthew. How <laughs> <laughs> well, many people good. have said that? <laughs> right, before we kick off, um, most importantly, what's your biscuit of choice, virtual or real? Um, well, I've given this tons of thought because I knew you were going to ask me. And weirdly, the one I've been sort of craving, and I'm not a biscuit person, if I go to the cupboard, I want a savoury snack. <laughs> But uh, I am rich tea. I know that's probably might be the most boring, but we had them as a kid. And what I used to like about rich tea is if you're a dunker like I am, you have to sort of run the gauntlet, don't you? You've got about a second and a half (laughs) before it all just falls into the tea. Well, my household was exactly the same. We were a rich tea household. Four rich tea biscuits after school. Yeah, yeah. And then the only... Um, that's that would be my choice, but what I've because I've got kids, what I've tried to do is influence all their tastes and choices. And the biscuit I've tried to make them into is breakaways. Do you remember breakaways? Uh, well, only because you've just said it. Go on. At my tuck shop at school, I'm pretty sure they only sold breakaways. And do you remember fish and chips? Those little kind of really tangy. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you could get, I mean, they probably sold apples, but what sort of self-respecting person gets an apple from tuck shop? <laughs> Not anybody who's watched Grain Jail. Um, do they sell takeaways, so, or is it a thing of the past? And I'm, I don't know if I've created my own urban myth, but I can just remember a couple of amazing moments as a kid where I bit into one and there was no biscuit. <gasps> the bit some sort of factory thing. <laughs> And it was pure chocolate. So I've always got that wish and hope <laughs> in my head. They're quite into them anyway. They like, they, they like, the kids like the breakaways, but they probably think rich teas were a bit dull. Well, that brings me on to my next question, which I, um, tell me about your lockdown, because you've got three kids. So tell me, are you homeschooling? I, I'm, I am sort of. Uh, that's a complicated question, because I don't know if you remember me, Ling, my wife works in the health sector of course 
and they've been sort of seconded by um, the NHS, so she's a key worker. So my kids are sort of in and out based on what they want, what the school wants. But yes, the, in lockdown one, they were here the whole time. But it was, it's hard, isn't it, talking about lockdown because you have to, I have to say it with the, um, I acknowledge that I'm very privileged in that nobody I know has been sick. I haven't lost anyone. Um, me Ling's continued to work, so we've been we've been okay. And because of that, my lockdown was fantastic. Um, I just got to spend so much time with the children and um, did things I would never do. Started to think of myself as a as an as an artist rather than a, a dramatist, if that makes sense. And been making music and writing poems and so and, and spending really good time with the kids so it's been okay having said that i couldn't any opportunity that i had to send them to school i got them out of the house as quick as i could so it's been really good we, we, we're all right thank you well that's good to hear i'm struggling with this one now it feels like the end keeps getting further away it feels like you keep getting to the peak of some hill and then there's another peak ahead of you but yeah. i'm like you i'm privileged so you, because you've been able to make stuff, haven't you, really? Or revisit stuff. Yeah, we've been doing our live broadcasts, which have been amazing, but they're very quick in the in the scheme of how hard we used to work in the old days. Yeah. The, the rhythm's very different and the, the life is very different. And, and, and are you able, are you doing any in this lockdown or is, is this one different? Is that part of the problem, do you think? We are. We, we're, we're working on it at the moment. It felt a little bit tone deaf to push through at the beginning of this lockdown because the numbers were so bad but we're trying to get ourselves in a position that when it feels the right time we're ready to go because it's really enjoyable oh my god I mean to be in the room with somebody again is so um thrilling Uh, and I never thought I'd say that you know something that you that you knew you enjoyed and you knew you valued now it's it's amazing and because we do all the testing and um, isolating that we're we're bubbled, which does not mean we don't socially distance, but it does mean that we're not as terrified. We're we've really tried to make it a safe, the same as football teams. We've tried to make it a safe space, so we're behaving pretty normally, give or take masks, and not cuddling as much as we used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's a terrible confession, and probably not one I should put on tape, but. I don't know how much I miss it. I think I look forward to it, so that's one thing. But I'm not sure I miss it. Is that? Do, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm sad. What is it you're talking about missing? The... I'm not sure I miss being in a room and having to be in charge because it's exhausting. I, you know, a lot of the stuff I do is big shows with big numbers, and, and I don't mean musical numbers. I mean <laughs> large numbers of people. <laughs> and. Uh, and, and, and I don't know if you know, I mean, I, when it, when lockdown happened, it was, we'd done 13 previews of Hangman on Broadway. I know. I know. The next night was going to be our first press night, and then we just came on. And maybe it's partly that, maybe it's kind of exhaust, an exhaustion of some kind of grief, I don't, I don't know. But, it, but it's, um, I guess because I haven't been making anything, all my experience of directing, being in the gang is in the past and I like to always try and be in the present and the present's pretty good but um, I'm sure 
come the time when I get to walk in a room with friends and actors, I'll go, oh yeah, I love this, I love this. But um, Oh, I want to talk to you more, but let's get a bit of music in before we go into that a bit more. What's your first record choice and why? Well, all my record choices are to do with the time that we were at the Globe. Um, not least because I've done a few things. I've done a kind of couple of um, versions of Desert Island Discs with mates um, during lockdown. So I've covered one kind of territory. And then this first piece is called Tun Up, and it's by a band called Just Now. And when everybody talks about Imogen, which is a show I did for you at the Globe, um, people talk a lot about the grime music that we use. But actually, this is a this is a a piece of rhythm and, and dance hall that was right at the very end, the second half of the of the jig. And I remember you and I dancing to it backstage. Imogen closed our first season, and we went out and did our little thank yous and speeches at the end, but. Um, as I'm sure we'll get to, we were, go we were going through a hell of a lot when Imogen was um, closing. But to still be able to dance to this and go crazy and watch all the team dance to this backstage as well was, was something I'll never forget. It was great.
us right back at the absolute heart of that whole chapter. Um, I was scared of talking to you. I'm still a little bit scared because there's an awful lot of stuff that went on that I've just buried because it was so extreme personally, which feels a little bit odd now in hindsight, but it was at the time, you know, and I'm a little bit embarrassed because I I seem to remember sort of crying an awful lot, you know, the, the heightened, which now I sort of think, gosh, it was, it was theatre. Um, and... And I was obsessed, you know, it, it, it was all so, it, it was so under my skin and in my heart and in my soul that, you know, I had to get out, I had to step out of that time. But you playing that puts me right back in it because your production of Imogen in many ways encapsulates the whole time for me. Um, and I want to go back a little bit, but the reason that Imogen for me is is sort of the beating heart of it is that I was an artistic director I got to program other directors which was such a privilege and such an inspiration and such an excitement and you were my key collaborator you were the person that had been there with me from the start and this production of Imogen was was the pinnacle really because you said it you you wanted to do Cymbeline I knew Cymbeline I'd done a version and you said quite early on what if it's a crazy idea, but what if I call it Imogen and put, she's the one with the lines, she's the one with the main character. What if we put the female character centre stage? And I was like, yeah, why not? Why not? Which is, I think, the question that we came up with a lot. And the, the establishment told us why not. But we answered them with this. And you answered them with this. And the fact that it wasn't my show, it was a show that I'd championed and supported and watched grow sort of in my garden but not underneath my own watering can you know it's really special and the electricity of that production and the electricity in the in the audience it was intoxicating and it was such a seminal piece and I get congratulated on it all the time and I cease to tell people I didn't direct it I just say thank you now <laughs> so thanks Matthew for that I mean it's it's my favorite thing I've made I think again for lots of reasons I mean Maybe you want to go back first before we talk about Imogen, it's, it's up to you, but um, I um, i don't know if you remember, my mum died in the second week of rehearsal. Of course I do. It was just after we'd opened it, because it's quite a short run Imogen, that um, the board sort of said, look, in future we don't really want you to make things with sound and light, and that was obviously something that you as an artist weren't prepared to accept. So we sort of made the decision, even if it was only you and I that knew really that we were that, that we would leave after the following season when we could still play with with, with lights and sounds. So it um I think it's for those two reasons as well, as well as what the product was, you know, that the amount of emotion that was sort of <laughs> moving through my veins at, at, throughout the whole period. It, it um yeah it. it, it it means a lot to me, as, as did our whole time at the Globe, which I, I'm able to look on now as a very, very positive experience, and um, I'm at peace with it. I mean, I wasn't in the firing line in the same way that you were, nowhere near, but I, I just remember, I just remember the good creative stuff really now. I'm getting there. I think I am getting there. I think I don't look at it much, but when I do, I'm, I'm getting better. And this certainly is. And I mean, you say, do I remember that your mum died? Of course I do. And of course, what's happened to me is my dad died. 
last year and I can't I, as al- as always with these things you 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 take the, your new experience and you project it back and I I sort of can't believe that you kept working and that you kept being present throughout that time well you too I mean I know your dad only died last year but he, he was very, very sick all the time we were at the Globe. So, you know, you were, you were dealing with all that through that whole period as well. Nice. Just, emotion oh. coursing through the whole time, the whole time. It's the work is the cure. I remember that my mum died in the night on the Tuesday and I went into Rio. <laughs> this cast, they'd only just met me. I think they all knew my mum was ill. And I just said, so I did my usual crazy warm-up with them, the circuit training. And then I said, right, um, just so you all know, my mum died last night. Um, we'll have a break now, have a cup of tea, and when you come back, I just want to get on with it. And that was it. I just because I just wanted to get on with it. You know, so it, it, in a lot of ways, it, it, it can save you, can't it? It's just yeah. Well, good thing yeah. To panel things into. Um, I'm going to do my first choice, which is the same choice as you, but I wanted to go for it because it's the same thing. It's Skepta. It's shut down. It's from Imogen. It's the same moment. I mean, we took, we are going to go back in a minute, but we both took the original practice idea of a jig and we smashed it into the London sky in a year that we voted to leave Europe, in a year where uh, the country was beginning to fracture. We glued it together and the naysayers said we did it with technology, but we didn't. We did it with heart and soul and passion and politics and the people came and the people came to Imogen and I will never, ever forget it. So here's my choice in honour of you, Mr. Dunstan. When it shut down, that's not me and it shut down. Ring, ring, pussy, it shut down. Fashion week and it shut down. Went to the show sitting in the front row in a black tracksuit and it shut down. Touch the road and it shut down. Boy, better know when it shut down. Yeah, take time if a man wanna try me, no time Usain Bolt when I run up on stage, I pick up the mic and it's reload time Don't know your songs but they know mine, that's why I got gigs just like Joe Grind After the show I'll be rolling mine, don't care about the no smoking sign They tried to steal my vision, this ain't a culture, it's my religion God knows I don't wanna go prison, but if a man wanna try me, trust me listen Me and my G's ain't scared of police, we don't listen to no politician Everybody on the same mission and we don't care about your ism and schisms Cause it's shut down, that's not me and it's shut Shut down, ring ring pussy, it shut down. Fashion week and it shut down. Went to the show sitting in the front row in a black tracksuit and it shut down. Touch the road and it shut down. Boy, better know when it shut down. You wanna act like a G for the camera? You say you're Muslim, you say you're Rasta. Say you don't eat pork, don't eat pussy, liar. You're just an actor. Blood, you're not on your dean. And if Selassie I saw you, he would say, Blood, take off the red, gold, and green. Them and are soft just like ice cream. Scene, start moving correctly. If you don't wanna upset me, you get me. You tryna show me your friendly, I told you before the shit don't impress me Just. I better make you respect me when you see the man them are selling out Wembley Roll deep in a blacked out Bentley, pull up outside like what one sexy Yeah, and it shut down, that's not me and it shut down Ring ring pussy, it shut down, hey. fashion week and it shut down Went to the show sitting in the front row in a black tracksuit and it shut down oh, oh, oh. Touch the road and it shut down, boy better know when it shut down yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch of young men Dancing extremely aggressively on stage, it made me feel so intimidated. 
unexpected and it's just not what I expect to see on primetime TV. I'm in a different class. When I get through, I'ma bring my dogs. Two by two, man, I walk on the arc. Sitting at the front just like Rosa Parks. Trust me, you don't want to see me get dark. Upset cause man, I wait up right now and the shit happened all so fast. I was in Paris, shut down Lark. New York, shut down Central Park. Talk about London, your Frisco, where should I start? Walked in, spat 10, 16 bars and each and every one of them came from the heart. None of my lyrics are stolen. Go on in, go on in, that's my slogan. Wanna know how I did it with no label, no A-list songs and I told them. Blood, I just shut down. That's not me and it shut down Ring ring pussy it shut down Fashion week and it shut down Went to the show sitting in the front row in a black tracksuit and it shut down Touched the road and it shut down Boy better know and it shut down Yeah, I just shut down That's not me and it shut down Ring ring pussy it shut down Fashion week and it shut down Went to the show sitting in the front row in a black tracksuit and it shut down Touched the road and it shut down Boy better know and it shut down So we've started at almost, well, we started in the middle of the story. So I'm going to go back a little bit because um, I first met you. You're going to have to fill in some of my bad memory. But I first met you when you were working at the Young Vic and you were running courses for young directors. And I think I came in, you arranged for me to come in and teach a workshop, which I did. And my overriding memory of that workshop is that even though you were the boss you'd sort of arranged it all you participated and you came up with an idea for a show which was absolutely brilliant it was the one that I was like that one that's the one I want to see but I and you really shone but you shone for lots of reasons you shone for your um your truth in that moment you told a very personal story and thought about a really exciting way of telling it um but your humility, you joined in. You actually did the you did the exercises along with the participants. And I can remember just thinking, he's cool. He's really cool. So I'll carry on because then you can fill in the gaps around it. When I got the job at the Globe, I knew that I didn't know enough, that there was massive gaps in my experience. I knew what I could do and I knew what I couldn't do. And I wanted somebody by my side who knew the industry, knew who was coming up through the industry, um, knew who the young directors were and and had a sort of broader I'd been in Cornwall for 20 years I needed somebody who had a breadth of um, understanding of the industry and who also knew the globe so when I got the job everybody I met I said just out of interest who have you enjoyed working with and I promised nine out of ten people said you Matthew and I can remember everything coming together and me thinking it's it's him so I offered you the job of my associate director I didn't think of anybody else I all the planets were pointing to you and that's when I came and met you at Toynbee Hall I think and said do you fancy coming on an adventure with me that's right it was Toynbee wasn't it mm. yeah 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 um no, well, I remember that workshop as well. I mean, I'd seen a, a lot of your work. And, and actually, the, the piece, um, I think I was sort of coming to my the end of my time as, a, as the associate at the Young Vic when you came in and did that workshop for us. And um, the piece that I had the idea for was an autobiographical piece that eventually we did at um, the exchange in the Young Vic called You Can See the Hills, which was... Um, which was therapy, really. <laughs> when you when you say I told you a very personal tale, it was the beginning of going. All right, I'm ready to get all that childhood stuff out now and find a creative way of of doing it. Yeah. Um, and 
Yeah, no, I was delighted when you got in touch. I'm very flattered when you said people at the Globe had, had, had enjoyed having, having me around. Um, and yeah, and that was the beginning of it all feeling very positive and as I said, now I can remember all that. And if you if you chart it back, I think the piece that affected people most strongly at the Globe was Lightning Child, which was a musical, wasn't it? Very diverse. You'd done it two years previous or even further before yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, that, it was pro- actually, that, that's because maybe a lot of the people there could still remember that, but I did one even earlier than that by the same writer, Taylor Walker, called The Frontline. And that was um, that. That they were, they were both similarly groundbreaking for the globe. I think in that they were pieces of new writing, and they brought um, a modern, diverse London cast uh, onto that stage. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because from within the building, of course, when I say I asked everybody I met, I didn't ask the board. I asked that I was asking the staff. And so what's interesting is that that was what they were picking up on, is those shows that you were doing that were bringing a, a modern, a contemporary viewpoint onto this um, this canon. So all the signals I was getting was that there was a hunger for it, which there was. So we started a journey together. And that, I mean, there was no problems, were there? We just got on. That's my memory of it, is that we're both... I mean, I'm not quite Northern, I'm Midlander, but we've, we're we we're from the North side of England. We've both got a good sense of humour. We And you, you, we really got each other and got the, the direction that we wanted to take this building in, which, of course, wasn't about... You know, you said earlier that I didn't, as an artist, I don't want to make work without sound and lights. It's not as simple as that, is it? I was an artist that didn't want to be told what I couldn't do. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And and didn't want to be in a hostile environment where my work choices weren't supported. Now, of course, the the sound and lights became the thing and were vitally important because those were the tools to to make this amazing sort of happening happen. But it wasn't really the tools. It was the it was the oh there we go. It's the, it was the establishment. You know what it was what kind of artist? It was a profound question. What kind of artist are you? And are you loyal to the people that you make work with, or and loyal to your instincts, or obedient? And I think we both knew we weren't obedient by nature. I think also I, I may have said this to you before. I've certainly said it to other friends. It, it was the first time I had sort of a real, practical understanding of what the establishment is, um, in as much as. I could start to feel the connections between the people that were closing in on us, and whether that's the press or a certain, not all, but certain elements of the board. Um, you could sort of see how these people and their stake in, in the place were, were connected and how historic that was. And, and, and I felt like they were the forces that were shutting down. I mean, it was a journey. And what I've always said about the globe was it, it is, by its very nature, an experiment. <laughs> and if only people had listened a bit closer to what we were trying to do, we always knew that original practice, elements of original practice, were, were always going to be part of the journey. Um, you know, there were, there, were, there were times, there were shows that we talked about that I was going to do when I'd said, as a commitment to our experiment and our relationship with all elements of the globe, I won't use sound and light until I found out that we were going. And then I like right I am going to use it because I'll never get this opportunity 
again, so that was slightly bloody-minded, but I think in lots of ways we would have gone full circle and tried all elements that the globe had to offer, and we offered up new elements to the globe, and it's just a shame that we couldn't have gone further with the ex experiment, because I think we were being, we aimed to be very generous. Oh, and had very pure hearts. I mean, there was not a meeting in which we we weren't thinking proactively, positively, excitedly about enabling, diversifying, being successful as a business as well, which we were. You know, I'm really proud of that. You know, we were we were making the money as well as the art, and it was you know it was exhilarating. Like you say, I do. I am proud. I feel I feel a slight. I keep coming back to the word embarrassment. I feel an embarrassment that I didn't see the traps or the problems and I didn't understand <laughs> I have a memory I should have oh I should have chosen it maybe I should Sai what are the chances of slipping in an extra record so I my memory I wasn't going to go into all of this but I have a memory of going to a board meeting and it would have been around September, so right at the beginning of my, within the first sort of six weeks of my tenure, and going into the board meeting and going to sit down and somebody saying, I won't name any names, but I remember who, saying, oh, I think there's a misunderstanding. And I said, what? And this person said, oh, it's an in-camera session. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> and it was Latin, and I, that's what I remember most. And they said in camera, it means that we're, it's a closed meeting and you, you won't be part of it. If you go and sit outside, we will let you know when you can come in. Um, so again, I come back to that word sort of humiliation. I'd walked in, I'd said hello to the board and then was asked to leave. And I can remember sitting outside this board meeting and I think I began to realise that something was happening, like feeling the tectonic shift of the story, but, but was in the middle of it. I was about to go and present my board paper to the board and had been just talked to in Latin and had just been told to leave a meeting and I put on my headphones outside. I, I sort of didn't know how to kill the time. I thought, how do I, do I listen at the door or do I... <laughs> what do I do, you know, I, with this bit of time that I didn't think I had? And I put on my headphones and I put on Shut Up. I flew you out when we was on tour But then something got out of hand You start yelling when I would break plans Even though I had legitimate reasons Bullshit. You know I have to make them dividends Bullshit. How could you trust with private eyes, girl? That's why you don't believe my lies And quit the set Shut up, just shut up, shut up Shut up, just shut up, shut up We try to take it slow But we're still losing control And we try to make it work
past Love is progress if you could make it last Why is it that you just lose control Every time you agree on taking it slow So why is it got to be so damn tough Cause fools and lust could never get enough of love Showing the love that you be giving Changing up your living for a loving transition Girl and submission trying to get you to listen Humanity each other has become our tradition You yell, I yell, everybody else Got neighbors across the street saying what the hell's going down? Too much of the bickering, kill it with the sound and I was going to hear Shut Up Your Face by Joe Dolce. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I have that, like, constantly on my <laughs> on my iPhone. <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, crazy, crazy moments. But um, that was a good choice because it was a good feel like I'm going crazy, trying to be a lady, all of that. Yeah. Big old breakup. Um, tell me about your next choice and why. Um, well, it's it's the next show that I did um, during our tenure, um, Much Ado About Nothing, which um, we set during the Mexican Revolution and, and it was a sort of a glorious 
burst of colour that show. It was, it, it was. It, I don't make stuff like that. That's not my natural poem or taste or colour. But um, it was. Um, it, it came out of wanting to make a big open comedy with in in when we originally talked about it, going to use shared light and and, li and live music that wasn't amplified. As I said, in the end, I didn't do that because I got all bloody minded about it. But it was it was going to be a, a gift to the globe in some ways. Um, and a thank you to the globe. I mean, it's interesting that the um, what I think about Shakespeare um, is that he's the poet I want to go to to consider and explore love. I think, um, and there, that's, that is a great thing about the globe, that you're that be in, in shared life, that you're, you're sharing that exploration and, and you're sort of doing it heart to heart with um, a very large, willing group of people. But this song, I mean, it's because, so hard picking three songs, isn't it? And my go-to people are the kind of singer-songwriters like Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, Tom Waits, Leonard Cohen, Nick Cave, Nick Drake, Bob Dylan. But um, PJ Harvey's song, The Desperate Kingdom of Love, we, one of the actresses, Anya Chalatra, sang it two or three times during the body of the show. A gorgeous actress, beautiful voice. And, um, yeah, I guess that that's the globe for me. It's a kind of a desperate kingdom of love. Um, so it felt like a good choice. Oh, love, you were a sickly child. And how the wind knocked you down.
it's wonderful to remember the delicacy as well. I think, um, as you say, there was so much emotion coursing through our veins and there's so much energy in the globe and so many people. It's quite a heightened... The whole place is a heightened experience, but just hearing that reminds me of also the delicacy of your work and of the work that we programmed as well, that it wasn't all brush, sound and lights, which is what it's remembered for. It's all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. And we, and, and, and we brought some really interesting artists in to play, and you should be very proud of that. I really am. I really am. You know, and we should say that, you know, we made a decision together, didn't we, that we would have 50% women minimum on stage and off, which we achieved, and that we would change the... We tried to diversify the casts um, to up to 50%, which we didn't quite manage, but we were at something like 47 by the end. It was amazing. We, we, We just made a decision. I always remember that. I always think... That's the sort of the big tragedy, really, is because we had we had some power and we used it really well. We used it for good and we used it quickly and we made changes immediately. We just had to make that decision. Every director that we came in, we said, you know, nothing's going to happen if you don't manage this, but see if you can get a 50-50 gender, get the diversity up. And everybody went great and they found their own way of doing it, their own way through. And it, I thought it, it proved how easy changes if you... I remember we looked at the figures I think of uh, male to female ratios at the end of the first season and we were looking at all the uh, how each of us had done on each of the shows and we got to Imogen and you said you did the worst actually because I think I was like 60-40 I was like I changed the title <laughs> <laughs> changed the title <laughs> But um, but that was really good for me because then I, I absolutely made sure that um, much ado was 50-50. You know, so it was good. We were just pushing ourselves in that regard all the time and that was good. Um, and can I say that my mum has a picture of your much ado on her fridge to this day. Not a picture of my Midsummer Night's Dream, a picture of your much ado. So <laughs> I, I'm reminded of it regularly. Um, I'm going to... My next choice is... Um, Max Richter, the reworked Vivaldi Four Seasons, and I've chosen Spring because it gives me a lift in my heart. But I'm choosing this because we also, it wasn't just the Globe that we were programming, we were programming the Sam Wanamaker Playhouse, and um, you did some amazing work in there as well. But again, I think for me, the thing that I miss most is actually working with other artists and enabling other artists. I'm, I'm back now in my own world, which I have to say is... I know myself. I know I, I can still surprise myself, but it's tougher to surprise yourself at this age. Um, and I loved working with other artists. And we programmed a crazy idea, didn't we? Which was a puppetry version of the Four Seasons, which was with um, Guy and Gimble, the amazing puppetry company. Um, remembering oh. the workshops the workshops that we saw well I remember you and I going up to see their first workshop of this all puppets no words and you said afterwards it's already the best thing I've ever seen <laughs> but it kind of was wasn't it is um with so we had live musicians and you you had an in to Max Richter as well to to get the rights to play the music so we had this music played live in this beautiful um, candlelit space, the most phenomenal puppetry of such 
detail, human. It felt like they broke open the human condition. And I chose this bit because this is when the baby's growing up and I need a little bit of spring in my life at the moment. I was dreading this conversation that's made me cry as soon as those soft bass chords come in it's almost unbearable do you know what I'm not just saying this that, that was my final choice until right near the end I changed it because I'd never used it at the Globe I remembered that piece of theatre and also I've I've used that piece twice in two different completely different shows because it's just so special it's so emotional Brilliant. I'm, well, I'm, I'm speechless. Talk to me about your next choice speakers. Well, me. the other thing, I mean, typical trying to be clever, me, and cover all bases, but, you know, as well as, um, as well as trying to sort of chart the journey of when we were together at the Globe, I also wanted to look at the three areas where I go for inspiration, and one is dance music and the other one is kind of singers songwriters I know we both used and love uh, Nick Cave in, in pieces um, and then the other one is uh, classical stuff particularly um, modern composers like Richter and um, 
it made me think that you know another person that we've both been inspired by and, and love is is kind of Pina Bausch. And when I first saw her, I think was um, oh my God, Richard Wilson gave me some ticket. He took a massive group of very very successful posh people to see uh, her Rome. And uh, Alan Bates dropped out at the last minute, and I happened to be working with Richard at the Royal Court, and he said, uh, do you want to come? I said, yeah, I'll come. And I walked in, and it was like, just wall-to-wall celebrity. And um, I had my second on duffel coat on. And it was like, he'd hired a room backstage. Anyway, that was, that, that was when, you know, that was one. So I was sort of dreading seeing this bit of German expressionist dance, and I, and I saw Rome, and, I've never seen anything like it. I think it was the first time I stood up as an audience member because, and I didn't have any choice. I just, at the end of it, I'd been so powerfully driven through the whole thing. But one of the pieces of music she used was a string quartet cover of The Model um, by Kraftwerk. <laughs> and I looked, tried to find out who had done this and I found it. it was. It was hard in those days of CDs, trying to figure out who'd done what. And um, it was the Balanescu Quartet, Alexander Balanescu had done all these covers. And um, years later, I went to see another peanut bash called Volmond, Full Moon. I think it was the last piece she made, actually. And an amazing um, solo by, I can't remember his name, an older male dancer that she uses. He was in his late 60s then. Oh, I know who you mean. And, um, his name, but yes. He's, uh, Alexander something, is he called? Anyway, it, they, it's, they used Aria, the piece that I've chosen, on a loop. Cut to about a year later, I went to see my friend Charlie Broom, who choreographed Much Ado About Nothing and choreographed The Secret Theatre. And she'd used that piece for a solo that she'd done, and she'd written to Balanescu, and he came to see it. And... Um, that was my in. I just happened to be starting to do a show at the, the RSC and I asked Balanescu if he would compose the music for it, which he did. And then I went back to Balanescu to do the music for Secret Theatre. Unfortunately, none of that music has been recorded, doesn't exist, but it was two, twofold really, to include Balanescu and what an influence he's been, but also to include Charlie, Charlotte Broom, who, as a choreographer and friend, you know, it's just, we've made some extraordinary stuff together, I think, and I've learned so much from her and she's allowed me to make dance pieces for, for her company. And um, yeah, so this is for Charlie and um, for Alexander Balanescu, but it's, Alexander wrote the music for Secret Theatre, which was the piece I did for you in The Sam Wanamaker. Thank you. 
It's exquisite. Yeah, it's gorgeous, isn't it? Absolutely exquisite. As was the Secret Theatre. You made some amazing work. Um, I, I mean, so did, I, I, I loved um, Flying Lovers, and I thought that it was the first time, actually, that anybody, which was a piece you made, I know you remade it from something you'd made quite some time before, but that was the first time I understood how to take on that space other than to present quite cramped large Shakespeare's in that tiny space. See a two-hander in there and watch you sort of reimagine what the space could be. That was a real gateway for me. That's that's when I I think that's when I that was the first time I was interested in, in trying anything in there. And that's the thing, isn't it, that you know, I didn't use a single electric light or any amplified music when I was in the Sound Maker because as an artist, it was a new experiment to have mm. that space and candles. I'd never done that before. And all we were really asking for in the main space of the globe as artists, I'd done six or seven shows there before you came along, was to just try something new. That's okay, surely. <laughs> but, you know, as artists and... So yeah, uh, uh, you sort of absolutely showed me the way with them. I remember, I remember saying in the midst of it, trust the globe, you know, I'll be gone. <laughs> the one thing we know is that I'll be gone and the globe will still be standing, you know, just support yeah. the artists for the short sort of heartbeat that they're there. And Yeah, and I mean, I, I, think, I think Ryland said that to us really early on, or he said it to you, that you would learn from the globe and, and, and the globe would learn from you and I just wish that people had seen that through. Um, and, and the only thing I think about you and I was, did we work, I feel like we did, but perhaps some of those people who absolutely felt that their investment and their stake in the globe and what they think it's for, somehow we made them feel under threat and that's a shame. I feel we worked hard not to, but the only time I sort of check in on myself or ourselves is could we have could we have done anything more in that regard? But I struggle to think how, to be honest. Yeah, well, gosh, I've been through all of that, and I um, I think that's absolutely true, and particularly after the the years that we've gone through politically, trying to understand other points of view. I, I, had, I don't know. I think I think um, I, I still come down to the fact that I think I discovered all those things quite late on. You know, it wasn't transparent. What the globe is is not transparent. And I think on a more hopeful note, I hope that what happened to me and to us and the board, you know, it happened to all of us. We all went through a, a painful period. I hope will clarify what the globe is so that I wouldn't get the I wouldn't get I wouldn't be headhunted next time. I wouldn't be offered the job next time, you know, that, uh, that actually the globe knows what it is now. And I hope that that clarification, because without a doubt, we alienated people. But at that point, I didn't even know who they were and what it was about. You know, I mean, that was you. So I, I don't give myself a hard time about that because I think you know it was it's such a complicated it was such a complicated web we've really tried to mirror Tudor society haven't they it's a bit like the secret theatre <laughs> but every every month we found out about another board the board in charge of shoes or something <laughs> <laughs> what you've not consulted the people who chisel the yeah. 
wax off the bonnet. And he's just like, okay, sorry. Oh, that, that's certainly something that I learned, which is that I did ask loads of people, but everybody you spoke to had a different opinion. So I would speak to somebody and think, well, there, I've done that bit of research and then discovered, oh, no, nobody agrees with them. You know, that's a, a completely separate thing. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think, well, I, th- I, I feel a little bit sad, actually. I wouldn't do, I, I wouldn't do any of it again. You know, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't apply again. And I, and if I did run a building again, I would um, be much more mindful of what went before but I think for that very reason, you know, I think what I brought was a freshness and and, a, and an innocence, actually, which is why it was so painful. But I think I wasn't canny. I didn't. I wasn't political. I can remember there was a member of staff that used to get me in the in the corridor and just say, you have to play the politics. And I, I didn't know what it meant. And I do with hindsight. But you know what? I, I have a better life to lead than that. And, you know, I don't want to leave a pol- political life in that way. Uh, I want to lead an artistic, true, free life, you know, and even more so with lockdown. Goodness knows what I'll feel like when we're set free again. Like you say, you know, who who knows what effect this enforced break will have on us all. But, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to go play politics. I want to, yeah, I want to have fun, you know, it's a, and, and, and create joy wherever's possible I don't mean by making happy work quite the opposite of that I mean by making truthful transparent meaningful work that sort of bonds you together tighter not makes boundaries and I know about your extraordinary journey with Nehi which as you know has become kind of post-globe I've got through you a a new relationship with Mike Shepherd and, and the Barnes and all the things I used to hear about but never experienced have become, you know, quite close to my heart and I've really benefited from spending time there. Um, the thing that I always felt that made me feel really secure at the end of the globe was that actually Wise Children was weirdly at last finally something that was just yours. Mm-hmm. That you know, for all the great work you did with Knee High, you inherited a great part of that and shared a lot of that. And you're a sharing artist, but I, I just thought, actually, you know, maybe this is this is what she had to go through to get her thing, wise children. So I, that that made me feel very secure about you and your path forward as we sort of came out of it. The one thing I'd say to you, like on air, is that is that is that I hope you I hope you'll do another Shakespeare because I do think he was good for you. Because there's something that, because you create and you when you start from all different kinds of sources and make things in many different ways, there's something so brilliant about him and, and that's that text that I do think you had to work in a in a in a different way, not a better way, but a, certainly a different way. And there was those two productions that you made. As Shakespeare's collaborator, your Twelfth Night and your Summer Stream, they were they were pretty sensational. So do another one. Hmm. <laughs> I shall have a think about that. I would. I would. I would. But um, the toxicity that comes with it, I would be cautious. But thank you. I have heard what you've said, and thank you about what you said about wise children. I'll take that. I do feel that I've ended up 
in a really great place. So I'm great grateful to the globe and to the gods and and knee high and everything. It's it's a good place to end up in if I could bloody do some work. <laughs> um, so I am going to play us out, and this is recognising the third person in the room, Simon Baker, who's upstairs mixing this podcast. And the Globe is famous for its parties, and we had two seasons at the Globe, and we had two end-of-season parties. And and it's amazing. I mean, in the way that it's the space is designed to tell stories in, it's also designed to celebrate in. And those two parties live on in my sort of memory, and they were such a release for the staff and for us. As you say, we were filled with emotion on both of our last night parties, end-of-season parties. Um, Simon mixed both of them. DJ'd at both of them and he always ends the night on madnesses it must be love and I just remember feeling the love and breathing the cool night sky I mean I'm grateful for that throughout all of this time the globe was a great healing space you know you could look at the sky you could wander out of the office and look at the sky and breathe in cool air I remember that and I remember dancing my heart out and seeing all sorts of people I loved of which Simon Baker is obviously one and you are another and thinking this is not all bad you know this is not all bad so it must be love and before we play out on it can I just say slightly formally Matthew Dunster thank you you were steady and fun and loyal and passionate and present emotionally and intellectually present throughout all the travels But most importantly, you were brave and visionary and radical and inspiring throughout all the joys. And I miss you. You were a big part of my life and now it feels that that chapter is is over. But I miss you. But I'm waving at you from afar as our lives move on and out and forwards. But as they say in Casablanca, we'll always have the globe. (laughs) Thank you, Emma. It was an absolute pleasure to talk through all that. And lovely to see you. I never thought I'd miss you half as much as I do. And I never thought I'd feel this way, the way I feel about you. Every night, every day I know that it's you I need To take the blues away It must be love, love, love It must be love, love, love Nothing more, nothing less Love is the best How can it be that we can so much without words Bless you and bless me Bless the bees and the birds Love, love
you'd like to share on tea and biscuits leave us a message on our phone line 0117 318 3846 that's 0117 318 3846 keep checking our social media for details of our next show tea and biscuits is part of wise children's lockdown thanks for hanging out with us bye <laughs>